0: I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse, and you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. (laughs) Let's
1: do this. Here comes the big, giant pivot. You're either going to stay or you're not going to stay. And I just knew that I mentally had to be prepared to lose followers because they're like, okay, this is not what I came here for.
2: Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to
0: helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Katie Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 22. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We would really love to hear what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about transitioning your niche, what can be
2: it can be both exciting and kind of nerve wracking, mm-hmm. you know, so we're going to kind of get into all of that. But before
0: we go any further, Jesse, what are you drinking? So today I'm drinking a lover boy, uh, hibiscus palm. It's like that hard hmm. tea. Um, oh yeah. I love those. It's really good. So I had tried to tried one other flavor. I can't remember which, but this one is definitely my favorite so far. Oh, really, really. I do love hibiscus. Yummy. There's a really good hibiscus tea
2: but now i'm like craving. So, you've got well, me on. Well, this that. one is
0: is really good so if you want um a little bit of a, a little bit of alcohol, recommend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, i mean it is coming, you know, it's it's summer. It's it's summer now. So, yeah. you know, i think that's appropriate and mm-hmm. and the fact that it's tea adds a little bit of
0: Yeah, cuz you're a sophistication. tea lover. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, i'll have to try it. So, you know, we've we've both transitioned our niches in our respective industries. I've spoken about it before. You know, my blog was focused on fashion and travel, and then a little bit of lifestyle. But then Ariel came into the picture. And though I had originally tried not to include her in my brand for a couple of different reasons, it didn't didn't feel authentic. It mm-hmm. was, you know, my brand was focused on my life and my passions. And Ariel became one of my biggest passions. So not including her in it, not transitioning part of my niche to motherhood and parenting, it felt fake. So while I'm still careful of what i include about her um and you know we kind of talk about that later in the show Uh, sharing our lives as a family it feels just feels right and Mm -hmm. i i got over this feeling just in time because obviously i haven't been sharing much about travel these days so that's a whole other part of my blog that's kind of tanked so we'll see what happens as the pandemic lifts but right
0: now that's where i'm at well i am all about doing what feels right and authentic um and as for me, I mean, transitioning is a huge topic that I love talking about because, you know, I've p- pivoted several times in my career. And, and sev- very successfully. Yeah. I mean, but each time it was scary. It was challenging. Of course. It has its ups and downs. So I'm really excited for um, Liz to share some of the things she's done to embrace the pivot uh without feeling like she's completely had to start over or Mm -hmm. alienate her following i think that's a lot of uh that's you know those are real fears that people have when they're feeling stuck and want to pivot or want to transition their their niche so so i'm really excited uh for what she has to share
2: Yes. And as we said, Liz Liz Edelman is a New Jersey based life and style blogger. She has a lot of experience transitioning her niche. We interviewed her about how she went from fashion blogger to focusing on motherhood. So I'm so excited to welcome Liz Edelman to the show. Liz and I actually went to college together at Pace University for musical theater. But instead of focusing on actually going into acting, we both turned to the blogging world. She started her blog in 2017, focusing mostly on fashion, but that all changed when she became pregnant with her little girl, her adorable Indy Lee. And in 2018, she was featured as a maternity style expert on an episode of The Rachel Ray Show. Now her blog focuses on motherhood and the outfits that go along with her family's daily adventures. And I'm so excited to announce that she's currently expecting her second child. Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations, and it's been too long.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Well, as we said, you're pregnant. So our first questions usually, <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, so what are, you know, cocktails and content creation, what are you drinking this morning? Oh, well, I'm being a little naughty for you guys today. I'm having some Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. <laughs> with the caffeine.
2: It. With the caffeine. A little
1: caffeine for the
2: podcast. So we gave a little brief uh, explanation of who you are and what you do, but what it, tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Yeah. um, So, I mean, as you mentioned, I went to school for theater, so I always have felt the need for a creative outlet and, um, Back in the day, I just took such a liking to Instagram and I used to post pictures of, let's just say, like a pair of shoes and they would get reposted by a brand or brownies that I baked and they would get reposted by Betty Crocker. And I just thought, you know, maybe I should give this a shot. And it all just kind of happened organically. Um, It really helped that I was living in Brooklyn at the time. So I could connect with other bloggers in the city and go to different events. Um, And now that I'm out in the suburbs, I'm able to kind of hold my own and do it Cause I'm, I'm more seasoned at it and I just really like it. I really enjoy it. And it's, um, it's super fun.
0: Are you still in the city outside of New
1: York, New York city? Yeah, yeah we're in, we're in New Jersey now. We're out in the suburbs. Yeah. Very That's nice. Very close. Yeah.
0: Very nice. So tell us a little bit about when you actually started the blog then what time frame are we talking about here?
1: So it started, I started by, um, creating a new account, a professional Instagram account. And this was back in the beginning of 2017. And for about probably three or four months, I just used my iPhone. I reached out to some local bloggers based on hashtags and locations. I like stalk mm-hmm. people down. I mm-hmm. found people that were in my area and I said, you know, can I pick your brain? Can I take you for coffee? Um, and that's, I love that, that you started. did that. That's yes.
0: so I know a lot of people, we talk a lot about networking on the show. So I think a lot of people get really freaked out at the idea of like mm. networking, contacting but can, people, yeah. but it can be just so casual. Like you said, like ask them out for coffee, just, you know, it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. So I love that. Um, I'm, I'm curious cause I don't know you personally. So right. tell me what was the original focus of your mission? Cause we are going to talk a little bit about how you've pivoted, but tell us a little bit what you, if you had a niche of what you originally started with.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because I didn't have a niche at all. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to just kind of create and see what I liked best, what people responded to the best, what got the most reposts from brands. So I remember when I started, I would have like, I don't know, like recipes and, that just like totally, totally tanked for me. Like it just was yeah. like not my thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I I was trying lots of different things until I found something that really stuck. And for me, um, it wound up being more of the affordable style. Um, so things that, that my audience could really relate to and things that people actually felt that they could go out today and purchase right now. Um, so I stuck to that and I kind of went with it.
0: So a little bit of a follow up to that, because I know a lot of people when they start their business brand blog, they are in the same position. They have no idea. They're just kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, And I actually am a big proponent of like testing things before you go all in, because first of all, it'll help you just like. Start. Some people don't even start. But um, what was like, how did you actually start to understand that people were gravitating towards that? Was it just the engagement on your feed? Was it, you know, the amount of blah, like if you were actually writing posts or the, the views? Tell us a little bit about how you were able to understand that 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 was resonating
1: um Mm. I think for me it was mostly brand shares so when I would get reposted by a brand and that particular photo would get exposure to audiences outside of my own that was kind of when I knew okay this is what this is what's working and then shortly after probably about six months into it I remember two or three small, small brands would reach out to me and say like, hey, can we send you a bag? Or hey, can we send you socks? You know, like small items. And um, that was when I was like, okay, this is what people want to see. And this is what people Mm -hmm. want to pay me for or at least like send me product for at the time. Um, So I just kind of like went off those cues.
0: I love that. That's really helpful, I think, for our audience. And we've talked about looking at metrics before and trying to pay attention to that. So that's really, really great.
1: Yeah, I think think that- Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think that um, the way I approached it was more along the lines of content creation, which is awesome because that's what this this podcast, podcast is, about. is about. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't as much about followers and likes. It was about um, what content can I create that brands are going to love? Um, and that's kind of what took me down this road was because when, even now, when I do a collaboration with a brand, um, my exposure to my audience is like an added perk, but what the brand is actually paying for is several fully edited high res images that they can use on their platforms. So it's like, I want to create for you. I'll post it to my audience as well. And that that'll be wonderful and lovely. And you can get a swipe up, but like what you're actually paying for is my brain, my creative view, My copyright, like all of that stuff, the editing of the photos, the photography—that's what—that's what what they're paying for. Thank you
2: for saying that, because so many times I feel like when you get emails of brands like offering you stuff, they're kind of like, "Here, we're going to do this for you, but we're expecting all of this," and they don't. You know, I'm sure that they do remember, but they're trying to talk you down. A lot of people don't realize how much work it actually ends up being. I mean, you know, Jesse has talked a lot about, you know. The different systems that she uses for her business, the editing software, you know, the any, you know, blogging, all this stuff, all this, all the costs and all the equipment involved. What do you shoot with, by the way? Just a geek question there.
1: Yeah, I recently upgraded to a Sony a 7000 and I shoot on a Tamron lens, which it's a zoom lens and it's really nice. I love it.
2: Is that so? Is that a mirrorless, or is that
1: mm-hmm. yeah? It's oh, mirrorless. nice. Yeah, I was using the A six thousand for a while, and I just recently upgraded, and I'm loving it.
2: Yeah, it looks really. I mean, you have some really clear shots, but I love how you get them. If, if you haven't checked out Liz's, you know, um, Instagram already, if you have been listening to the podcast, check it out now because you do you do a great job of, and you also have a very um, a different editing style from I feel a lot of other people these days. You're into that neutral palette. Which is so funny because I remember in college you were all about like pinks and glitters and stuff like that. Yeah, I my It's very different.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Well, even when I first started my blog, too, I feel like my own personal aesthetic has changed so much. And again, like I think that that kind of can attribute itself to like moving, buying a house, decorating that house. Like Mm -hmm. these are all things that you want to look at for a long time. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I almost feel like I'll get sick of something if I if I go a little too crazy with it. So now I've all of a sudden become this like neutral loving gal. It's kind of crazy. Well, it
2: works. It works for you now. So in 2019, mm-hmm. you had your, as I said, your adorable little Indie way, <laughs> And adorable. you started, yes, she is. And you started <laughs> incorporating more about, you know, parenting and motherhood into your blog as well as your Instagram what was that transition like? Like, was that, you know, you had talked about the fact that you kind of did things organically starting your blog. Was that kind of an organic transition that just now Indie was such a big part of your life that it just flowed or was it, did you have any kind of issues with that?
1: Um, No, I didn't, I didn't have issues with it. I will say I really kind of just dove in. And again, it was the like throwing spaghetti at the wall situation. It was just like, okay, here's come, here comes the big giant pivot. You're either going to stay or you're not going to stay. And I just knew that I mentally had to be prepared to lose followers because they're like, okay, this is not what I came here for. Right. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. at the same time. I leveled out because I gained a lot of followers. I gained people who were like, okay, I'm looking for a young mom that has suggestions for me. I'm looking for a local mom that I can feel like is my, my gal pal. Um, so, and I, obviously my Rachel Ray spot also was like, seriously, such a blessing in disguise. And that,
2: yeah, tell I, us about that, how that happened.
1: Well, right after I announced my pregnancy, I started, throwing the spaghetti at the wall and just started posting about maternity stuff, pending motherhood, right? I was like, okay, let's incorporate this in. Now it's going to be maternity style because I'm just trying to stay authentic to who I am and what I'm going through right now in my life. And um, they reached out to me one day, they film in New York. So I would imagine they're looking for a pool of bloggers who are also pregnant who are also in the tri-state area. So, right, that pool gets smaller and smaller. Right. Um, they reached out to me after a couple of interviews with them and their producers. I was hired for the spot. Um, so, that obviously helped. So, whoever had dropped off and said, oh, okay, moving on. Um, it was just, you know, it was built back up again and then some because I was I had that feature and it just, um, it expanded my audience to people who actually wanted to see that kind of content. So, <laughs> it worked out.
2: It's funny that you should say about dropping off the followers, because I actually took when I was kind of starting my journey into blogging, I took um, one of the more popular bloggers to coffee um, when you could. And I remember talking with her and she has an awesome brand. I still I love following her. She's um, um, she's a very active individual. Like she does hiking and everything. And I remember, you know, I'm a little different from her, but I remember her talking about how she was in the middle of like unfollowing a bunch of people like other mm-hmm. bloggers and mostly it was because she had started following these women and now they were pregnant and or they had had children and it was really you know it just wasn't and she's like and there's nothing against that it's you know they're they're leading their lives it just doesn't have anything to do with me anymore and i just remember sitting there thinking like wow it's not something i thought about when i kind of went into this world so that was great yeah. to had that okay. foresight
1: yeah, I think, I think I learned pretty quickly on that people turn to Instagram um, sometimes as an escape from their own reality, but sometimes they turn to Instagram to feel like their reality is normal. And yeah. I think that um, for me personally, if I'm going to take my own blog out of it, just as like a user on Instagram, I have found as of late that if... I follow someone whose style is just like totally not like mine. Um, they're buying clothes I can't afford and they're going places I'll probably never go until, until my kids are older. Um, you know, it just doesn't really serve me in a way that I feel like I need to see it every day and be inspired by it. So I have found that that even I personally have unfollowed certain people and followed other people who I'm like, okay, now this... I'm getting inspo from every single day. Like I want every piece that she has yeah. in her house. I want every piece she puts on her kid. So, you know, it's, it just, it, it changes you change. Right. And so I think we have to go into this knowing that our followers are going to fluctuate because these people are going to change their people are fickle. Yeah. Love nice. that. That's I love that. True.
0: I love that. And I, and I think, I think mindset, your mindset, or it seems like you just sort of had this conversation in your head with yourself like understanding and realizing that that was going to happen because I think a lot of brands and businesses and bloggers um you know have this fear of pivoting to something that feels right for them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and but they have this fear that it's going to really either result in a loss of followers loss of business Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you have anything to add on the mindset piece other than this sort of having that conversation in your head. Um, I mean, was that a fear at all for you? Or what would you say to to people looking to to be more in line in alignment with what they want for their own business or brand and how to overcome that?
1: Yeah, I would I wouldn't say it was a fear for me. I would say it's always a fear for me. It's it's something that is always in the back of my head, you know, that people even like. Even as the platforms are changing, people are really into TikTok right now. I'm not into TikTok. <laughs> so it's like, you know, <laughs> me, if people are, yeah, if people are m- going to migrate over there. Then they're not going to give me as much engagement on my page, but they're probably not deleting me from Instagram. So that's even worse, right? Then then I'm getting less likes on a photo with the same amount of followers because those followers are over on another platform doing something else. Um, so I think that the way I've always kind of looked at it is this is a glorified hobby. This is something that I love to do. This is my creative outlet. It just also happens to make me money. And I think that that has served me better personally than saying, this is my business. I need it to work out. I need this. I need that. And I think that Kate can come, can probably like understand where I'm coming from because even um, at the time when I was actively auditioning for theater, I would not even come close to booking jobs when I would go into the room the audition room feeling like I need this job. If I don't get it, I'm not going to have something for the summer. If I don't get it, X, Y, Z, you know, it's like that, that little feeling of desperation, like you might not realize that it um, rubs off on people, but it really does. Like even digitally, it really, really does. Um, So for me, it's just always had to be like, I just have to keep on throwing the spaghetti at the wall and see what happens and just enjoy the ride. Like that's been the way, I don't know. That's the way it works for me.
2: And it's funny because you were always such a perfection. Like I always felt like you were like a perfectionist in college. Yeah. So it's very surprising to hear what you're saying about that because I look at your Instagram and it looks very curated. I mean, you're you're and it you're, is. You're yes, it is. But you're also you're extremely honest in your captions. You know, you've been honest about um, Indy's journey with her birth defect, and you know. Mm-hmm. Something I haven't shared, you know, a lot on my Instagram is, you know, Ariel has hip dysplasia mm-hmm. and, you know, I just haven't quite, here I am saying it on a pop shot podcast, but, you know, I haven't felt quite ready to talk about that mostly because we're still going through it and it's not even that severe. Um, it's a very, it's just, she has to wear a brace at night. So, you know, to hear you say, just kind of throw spaghetti at the wall. It's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a perfectionist too, and I'm not alone in this feeling of, what the heck is what the heck is going to work what the heck is right. going to work now did, my question is um obviously you lost followers but you gained other followers when you transitioned niches what about brand deals you know did you see a drop off on brand deals and then build back up with other brands or was that kind of just a seamless transition
1: um it was pretty seamless and I, and that's my own personal doing because i have always been very proactive about pitching brands that I want to work with. So, um, for me, you know, I knew, I found out I was pregnant at like four and a half weeks and I had all this time before I actually announced it to the public. That's so, early. I, well, we had been trying, so uh. it was like the kind of thing where I knew I was pregnant before I had even like missed a period. Um, <laughs> but oh. yeah, I mean, Hey, these tests nowadays, they'll go like up to a week.
2: Before. I had to, I had to get a, uh, an app. I had an app on my phone that finally pinged me one morning and was like, are you sure? Basically it said, are you sure you're not pregnant? Cause you still haven't gotten your period yet. I mean, it said it in a much more technical way, but I was like, Oh, maybe I need to do something about this. And that's how I found out. So you're much better than me.
1: Oh no. See, I was on it. Like we were, I mean, we had been trying for several cycles before, before we conceived Indy. So, um, I, at that point I was like on a, like, like a hawk on it. Um, but so yeah, I had all this time before I was announcing it to the public. And so what am I going to do with that time? Right. I'm so excited. I want to talk about it. I can't talk about it. So I was spending my free time reaching out to brands and researching brands that I wanted to work with so that by the time I hit 12, 13, 14 weeks and I felt comfortable to announce, I already had these collaborations lined up. So Uh I was pitching maternity brands. I was pitching, um, like you know, those boxes, like uh subscription boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah they have so I was pitching one. those. Yeah. yeah, like bump box and like all those cute little yeah. things to kind of like slowly transition. And then when I got further along in my like second and third trimester, that was when I was like, okay, give me the registry items, give me the Graco collaboration, give me the bye-bye baby, you know, that's all the, the stuff that now my audience knows this is what we're gonna be seeing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, that I makes, love your I love yeah. your foresight
0: and that That's yeah. I think um that's one thing I, I I feel like Kate does really well is like looking into the future and planning for like the content in advance, whereas I'm so deep in the weeds running mm-hmm. like the the photography business and working with the client, like I can barely think a month ahead. Um,
2: but I and think- then we have our meetings and I'm like, um, Jesse, we haven't recorded <laughs> this episode yet.
1: <laughs> uh, a couple weeks. I'm terrible Kate's Kate's my boss, <laughs> my boss listen it's but that's why it works right because you guys are so different like I always say that yeah. about my husband and I we are like polar opposites and it just works out that way it's great she's
2: definitely my work wife we're not even like technically I mean we do the podcast together and Jessie is my main photographer and I write her blogs but we're not even technically in business together we just kind of have like a fake business together and we're,
1: hey.
0: don't lie you're the boss she's the boss
2: <laughs> I, I love it I love I try. it um any other tips that you would have for brands looking to, or, or influencers, you know, to pivot any other like things. I mean, you've talked about force having that foresight, which is fantastic. You've talked about being prepared to kind of lose those followers, but really re- getting ready to gain other ones. What else would you say?
1: Yeah, I would say start slow. So like it, for example, like for me, it was pivoting from regular clothes to maternity clothes. So even now, so I, I went, I went back to regular clothing, right? I haven't been pregnant for two years. So whenever you see photos of me, it's all stuff that you can buy. Um, You don't have to be pregnant to buy it. So even now I'm back to that pivot again where I'm starting to share clothing that may be non-maternity, but bump friendly, right? So anybody Mm -hmm. can buy this dress. So that's kind of the way that I've approached it. it was always like slow and steady. Don't like bombard your audience, like I'm having a baby now. Like every post is going to be baby related. It was just yeah. kind of like a slow, um, I would just work it in like a couple times a week. And then and before you know it, that's all I'm posting about.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you got one cute kid, so why not?
1: Hey, totally. And um, she'll stay
2: for the, does she stay for the camera? Does no. she like sit? Yeah, no. Ariel. No. You just you're just really good at grabbing the shot.
1: It's the burst mode. It's like I have it on just constant shoot and if there's bribery and everybody's like, oh my God, she must love the camera. She looks, she looks like she loves it. And I'm like, she no, does. It's, it's awful. No, it's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm very much so looking forward to having one that's gonna like stay for a while. Oh yeah. Right? Oh my gosh, what what,
0: what
2: was yeah. that? Like? I don't even
0: remember that time. Right? Who knows? Oh, know. well, I think that's. It, I think you don't remember it for a purpose. It helps with like the idea. It that helps we you are decide to, to go up another, or another because one. you don't remember <laughs> the pain that you went through. I don't have any kids. I have the dog, but that's that. that's what I. That's no, what I she see. lives through me and
2: other friends that have kids all around the same age. There was like a baby boom around. All my know, friends
1: know, all had kids in February May, to May
2: 2019. It's yeah, crazy.
1: Well, there's a big no. giant boom now because when I announced my pregnancy, I got. I kid you not. At least fifteen DMs from people that I know or that I know through Instagram, all saying that they were pregnant too and that they were due in like August, September, October. Wow! So and when are you due? September twentieth. Oh wow! Yeah. So it's it's cray cray. Like better weather than February, right? Yeah, seriously. Indy's March first, and it's just so. Oh, that's right, March first.
2: Oh, that's weird. My hair. So my hairdresser had a baby oh my gosh, my hairdresser's baby was March 1st, 2019. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah, so that's like, and she was like a week late. I remember oh, like, when am I ever going to have this kid?
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. And he was a week early and I was very grateful for that. I
2: I, I had to have Ariel a couple of days early because she was yes. a C-section because she was mm-hmm. breached. So I was, and and I guess I was in labor. They told me like after the fact. So oh. it was a good thing they scheduled it. That Jesse's just like, wow, this is getting to. Yeah, we're still on the fence with children. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that's totally cool, you know. So, you know, with with their your latest arrival or your impending arrival, where do you see your brand going over the the next few years? Will you do be be doing more like mommy and me fashion as Indy gets older? And of course, then your next little little one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy doing that. And like I was saying, it's getting really hard with her. And I don't want to um, push her way further than, than she's comfortable with. So I guess as she's older and she can vocalize like, hey, I really don't want to do this right now. Um, I'll just kind of have to roll with those punches. But for now, it's like I can get the shot with, with some treats. <laughs> so I'll just continue doing that and hoping that she transitions well to having a new baby in the house. And obviously, the, they come first um, and the content comes second. So I'm just going to have to be flexible and and I, I found, especially um, with motherhood content, that that is always helpful. And I can't say um, with confidence that I can practice what I preach all the time because I don't. Sometimes I, as a perfectionist, like you said, I, I want to get the shot. I know what I'm capable of. I have a vision in my head. Um, but sometimes the pictures come out better when I just kind of let her rock and I get what I get. Um, my sister-in-law has this saying that she says to her little kids, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And I try to like, remember that for myself because that's,
2: that's a tough thing to remember, but very true.
1: Right. And you know, I mean, you mentioned before, like I was a perfectionist in college, but however, that was, I don't want to like. Age myself here, but that was like 15 and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no. 15 years ago. Like we change, we grow. And I think that one of the things that I'm always working on is getting better content that's more organic. And a lot of the people that I follow for inspiration, a lot of the moms I follow for inspiration are people whose pictures are, they look perfect to the eye because of the way they're shot and edited. But like their kids are running around like doing all kinds of things. They're not staring at the camera smiling, they're not posing it's it's not like that. And so yeah. sometimes I do wish I could let go of that a little bit. And I'm, that's a constant work in progress for me. And I think having two children is going to kind of force that on me a little bit more. So I'm excited oh, to see where it goes.
2: I'm excited to see where it is. It's funny you say, you know, I com- I just, so we pre-tape these obviously guys. Sure. And it's just Easter and I had a memory come up today of like an easter shoot that i did with Ariel last year and she mm. was sitting and mm. she was like looking adorable in this little bunny costume and i was like i had this backdrop and like everything looked perfect and this year i basically put her in a bunny costume and just let her loose in my yeah. nunny's backyard and was just like do your thing and even though like i look at those pictures from last year and i think oh they're so picture perfect these are just as good so i get what you're saying and, yeah. Uh, I
1: follow these accounts. I think they're magic of childhood and art of childhood. But oh, if yeah. you haven't checked them out, check them out because they're like beautiful, candid shots. And it really comes from like a photography perspective rather than a blogging perspective. And you just see like how amazing and beautiful children can be when they're like in their element and not being forced to do something that they don't want to do. And again, like (laughs) my husband's going to listen to this and be like, practice what you preach. Like you're so annoying with her. But like deep down, I do know that, um, that, that that's the better route and that's the better way to photograph children because you just get to see them be that. And I think that that's, that's that's the best content like whether you whether you realize it or not well
0: because as actually, a photographer I have to say your feed is beautiful you're very talented and I love all the imagery that you've created and to your point the the candid images the ones that you've created or at least the ones that appear to be candid yeah are are, are, are really really fun so thank kudos
1: you. thank you I try I'm, I'm just you know trying. <laughs> well, we're going
2: to be bringing you back to actually to talk more about involving children in your brand. But first, where can people find you find out more about you and your blog and Instagram?
1: Absolutely. My Instagram handle is Liz Idleman, And so that's L-I-Z-E-I-D-E-L-M-A-N. Um, that's my Instagram handle. And then you can find me at com. I reserve my big blog posts for big moments and then all the little everyday moments you'll find me on instagram and instagram stories
2: love it smart way to do it smart way to do
0: it well liz thank you so much
2: we really appreciate
1: it
0: yes thank you for being here i loved learning about your story and i am following you now on instagram awesome (laughs)
1: thank you so much
0: it's all about throwing spaghetti and seeing what works.
1: <laughs> I actually I, love yeah. that she
0: really just, uh, you know, embraced her passion. And what was interesting is in that you know she treats it more of a hobby, which we really haven't heard um, no. yet on this podcast. Granted, you know we you know there's a little bit of a disclaimer there. You know if you're in a position where you have quotas and need to make an income, it's a little bit different. But I think we can all take away the grain of salt with the spaghetti she's thrown right just yeah. you know trying to be a little bit more passionate and authentic and what feels right mm-hmm. because then it will feel less of a job and more like a hobby something fun that we like to do. Well I think that is so important
2: because so many times you you get into something that you absolutely love and all of a sudden it's because you're because you're putting so much stress on that hobby it no longer becomes fun. It's anymore. a job. It's a job. It's a job. It's, it's mm. definitely a job. And, you know, she did, I, you know, she has said that this is something that she is able to do because she doesn't have to necessarily bring all the money into the house. So that was, that was important to hear. But I also, is you, it's funny that she says, throwing this baby at the wall, because I actually, what I took away was how proactive she actually is. She knew early on that she was pregnant. Um, which is a little different from me. And she said, though she says a lot of her success is because she kind of went with that flow. There was a lot of pre-planning involved, contacting those brands early on and telling them that she was pregnant. Like what's interesting is so many people won't even like talk about being pregnant until they're past that first trimester. And she was already reaching out to brands. So, you know, I know... That when I was pregnant with Ariel, I felt very lost in how I was going to handle this huge change in my life when it came to my brand. Um, So I didn't really embrace that pivot, but she really just went Mm -hmm. full force. So even though she's saying like she, you know, she kind of threw that spaghetti at the wall, while there's definitely, you're always taking that chance when you do transition, she did it in a way that was proactive and calculated. And mm-hmm. I think that that's some. There's something to be said for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I would certainly agree. I think, and and even she touched on early in her career too as a blogger. Mm. She's still even, you know, sought out what what worked and what didn't work, and you know, paying attention to some of the analytics or you know right. engagement. And I think that you know, we do get wrapped up in the day-to-day posting and the day-to-day writing and content creating that we forget yeah. to spend time like learning from it. So. Mm-hmm. Again, and having uh, fun with it. Yeah. Having fun with it.
2: It's, that's so important. And I think as content, you know, people, people think of content creation as being something that is supposed to be fun. And so many times we put so much stress on it that it takes that sucks that fun away. So it was a great conversation. And I'm, I'm, it was nice to catch up with Liz after so many years. So thanks so much for listening to cocktails and content creation. Make sure you join our Facebook group, the community and leave us a comment about what you want us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at cocktails and content creation. And we'd love to if you leave a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. And you can email us at cocktails and content creation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fashionably and Co. And
0: I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jessi Wyman Photos, or if you're looking to pivot into brand photography, you can follow me at The Brand Photographer Method. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating.